Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Saturday, May 7th. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Today's scripture reading, Galatians chapter 1, verses 18 through 24, from Mike's Amplified Version, which reads, Then, finally, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem, but only to swap histories with Kepha, the rock, a.k.a. Peter, and I hung out with him for 15 days, far too short a time for an in-depth collaboration. And I didn't even see any of the other ministers, plenipotentiaries, only Yaakov, the Lord's brother. And here I am, raising my right hand. I do solemnly swear before God, all I write here is no lie. Next on the itinerary, the very familiar climbs of Syria and Cilicia. And as for all the gathered Jesus communities of faith and practice scattered across the countryside of Judea, they were clueless about who I was, never having so much as glimpsed my face. They only heard the report spreading like wildfire. The persecutor has become the proclaimer of the faith which he formerly gutted. And they raised their voices in a swelling chorus of praise and acclamation to God over me. This is God's word. I lived a Pharisee. I heard a voice. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. The three-beat rhythm not only of Paul's crowning testimony in Acts, but of his entire life. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets that he that reads may run with it, cried the Lord to the prophet Habakkuk. That's Habakkuk 2.2. And so Paul did. He read and he ran. And he rarely, it would seem, paused for breath once he got started. I worked harder than all of them, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. That's 1 Corinthians 15.10. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Returning to Paul's speech before royalty in Acts 26, he says, What could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I became an obedient believer on the spot. I started preaching this life change, this radical turn to God and everything it meant in everyday life. Right there in Damascus, then went on to Jerusalem and the surrounding countryside and from there to the whole world. Okay, our takeaway here is rather simple. The gospel does more than impel us to raise our hands for a prayerful recitation. The gospel does more than propel us to the front of a sanctuary or a stadium, just as I am to say that prayer. The euangelion, the gospel of Jesus, drives us like Eurachalidon, the powerful northeastern wind that drove Paul's ship across the Adriatic Sea in Acts 27. You can try to face it, you can try to contain it, package it, manage it, but ultimately, you can only give way before it, as it drives you where it wills, where he wills. And notice as we finish the first page of Paul's letter to the Galatians, it not only drove him towards the mission field, it drove him towards community, towards connection. Driven out of Damascus, he went up to Jerusalem, not for a doctrinal download, but quite literally 
to share histories, to swap stories with Peter, aka the Rock, which is Petros in Greek, and Cephas or Kepha in Aramaic. Paul toggles back and forth between the two names in Galatians. And he also meets James, literally Jacob or Yaakov in Hebrew. The name James was actually introduced as a translation to make it sound less, well, honestly, Jewish, historically. But there is no James in the Bible. There are only Jacobs. Many, many Jacobs. The wind of the gospel drove Paul towards community, building it, nurturing it, supporting it, spreading it. It drove him to Jerusalem more than once. It drove him to write this impassioned missive from a missionary to multiplied communities across the countryside of Galatia. The gospel is a wind that drives us. Which is why the Lord's Prayer starts with those three classic petitions. Your name, let it be made holy. Your kingdom, let it come. Your will, let it be done. This is why those genuinely impacted by the Evangelion or Gospel of Jesus don't ask about the potential accommodations or take a rain check until various obligations are fulfilled or put their hand to the proverbial plow and then fixate on what they're leaving behind. The cargo is overboard. The escape pod jettisoned. Sails that would harness it struck. Wheel and control and rudder released. At least, so it was for Paul. But then, with Festus, perhaps we too may find ourselves shouting back at him, Paul, thou art beside thyself, thou art mad. And unlike in that moment, I do believe this time I see him smiling as he leans in towards us, saying, why, yes, yes, I am. Okay. We've just finished the first page of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Well done to you. Perhaps this is a good point at which to pause and read the entire first page again to both review and to see what else surfaces as you do. Perhaps pick a translation you haven't read yet or ever. See what you see. Then pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer. How has the gospel of Jesus been driving you? Where has it taken you? Where is it threatening to take you? Why do we still resist its pull? Or worse, imagine that we can somehow contain or manage it, or worse still, market it. How would it drive you towards community in this season? What one truth most stands out to you from this first page of Paul's letter to the Galatians. What one thing would you highlight before and above everything else? Glorious God, give me just half of Paul's passion for the simple message of Jesus. But first, let me grasp the essence of that simple message, or rather, let it grasp me firmly and let it like Euroclidon of old drive me where it will where you will in this earth of me of my life as it is in heaven through your spirit with upon and in me amen